watching our live stream this evening. Uh, Pastor Gary and his family are out, but they'll be back on Sunday, so I am just filling in for this evening. Also, Brother Chester wanted me to remind everybody that our online services, uh, our, rather our small groups will be regrouping beginning in the middle of August. So you can go beginning tonight to our online uh, Refuge, Refuge Church Center app, and you can register through that app as well. Amen. I want to read to you just one verse from the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 18, and it says this, And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I want to talk to you tonight for just a few minutes on being connected to the head. So to state the obvious, and in case you haven't heard, we're in a pandemic. And it, it's something that none of us foresaw, nobody foresaw this happening, at least not that I'm aware of. It's a worldwide pandemic that has crashed our economy and it has had many, many other different effects. All of us at this point know somebody that has either had COVID, has COVID, or, or has passed from COVID-19. And it will likely change our world forever. We don't know the changes that's going to come down the pike through it or because of it. Um, but there is the feeling that it'll be a different world that we, that we go into once this is all over. Though there's lots of talks about social distancing, uh, a possible virus cure. You probably have heard the term herd immunity by now, which is that. So I've been told that in order for there to be immunity or for the virus to be contained, there has to be 70% of the population that has to be vaccinated from it. And so there's that challenge as well. And then there's, of course, the wearing of masks, which are, uh, which are being mandated more and more by many counties and many states. But something that few seem to be talking about uh, is something that, that ran across my mind uh, just a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of what prompted this thought that the Lord put into my spirit. And I found this from the Center for Disease Control regarding hospitalized COVID-19 patients. And I'm quoting right from their website, and it's, this is the quote. Among 8,672 hospitalized adults with information on underlying medical conditions, 91% had at least one reported underlying medical condition. The most commonly reported were hypertension, obesity, chronic metabolic disease, and cardiovascular disease. Among 180 hospitalized children with information on underlying conditions, 51.7% had at least one reported underlying medical condition. The most commonly reported were obesity, asthma, and neurologic conditions. In other words, according to that information and the statistics that they have available at their disposal, most of those hospitalized with COVID-19 already had a medical condition, an, uh, an underlying medical condition that they were dealing with. And it really is a simple fact. And the fact is this, that deadly new viruses often tear through the most vulnerable populations first, such as the elderly or people who are already weakened by other health conditions. Because, again, to state the obvious, healthy people generally, uh, although not always, of course, but generally uh, have the immune system and strength to fight off deadly diseases. Um, and it can also be said of our enemy of that as well. That the devil goes after the weakest and most spiritually vulnerable first. And there is a definitive spiritual parallel 
that when any disease attacks an unhealthy body, it puts that body at more risk. So when you think of it in terms of risk level, and if we would categorize the risk from like 1 to 5 or 1 to 10, if somebody is already unhealthy and they contracted any kind of disease, especially one that's potentially as deadly as a COVID-19 virus, then that person would be in a higher risk category than somebody who, who is young and maybe really healthy. Now, of course, as we know, that's no guarantee, but just thinking of, thinking of it in terms of risk, then it could be categorized like this. Now, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all been made to drink into one spirit. So we are all placed into the body of Christ, of which Christ is the head at the new birth experience. Now, if you're not familiar with what new birth is, uh, we believe that people are born again of the water and the spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I know that our pastor taught a series of, of lessons on that, so I won't go into that in detail now. But at the new birth experience, you are put into the body of Christ. And what that means is that the spiritual DNA of Christ is in you in the same way that the DNA of your parents is in you physically. For in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, he describes it like this, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So there is a divine nature that we are partakers of. And this word nature is the same Greek word that James used in the book of James chapter 3 and verse 7 where he said every kind of beasts and birds. And that kind of is a jumping point back to the book of Genesis where it said that things produced after their kind. A wild beast after wild beast produced after his kind. Fish produced after their kind. So it references things producing after their kind. Birds after birds. Fish after fish. Lions after lions. A lion doesn't give birth to a fish. So things of their kind are things that make up their physical DNA. And that pattern never changes. It never has changed. And it never will change. It is forever like that according to God's word. So we have a spiritual nature that in that nature is the nature of God himself. And that nature is literally on a spiritual level imparted into us at the time that we are born again. Because whenever we're born naturally, you know, we're physically alive, but our spirit is dead because we're separated from God. So again, going to Ephesians 2, the Bible says that that spirit of God, that Holy Spirit is a quickening spirit. And that's, that word quicken means to make alive. And so when God's spirit fills you up, then he imparts his spiritual DNA inside of you. And so you become a child of God. So Peter goes on to describe that spiritual nature in verse 5. He says this, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness uh, charity. He mentions eight different qualities here. You know, in another place, Paul called them the fruit of the Spirit. Paul referenced nine. Peter references eight. You know, these are in almost reverse order. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Paul starts with love and Peter ends with love. And there's a reason for that. Uh, but, but 
but in another place, in the book of Galatians, he referenced it as the fruit of the Spirit. But it's all the same thing. It's all speaking of the same thing. And it means that the divine nature of God has been imparted into us whenever we're born again. And so in Colossians, you know, uh, walking in this new nature is called putting on the new man. Again, from Colossians 3 and verse 9, he says this. Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So there is an old man, or your old nature, and then there is this new man, which has the nature of God that has been imparted into it. And Christ is the health of the body, and anything that is connected to him is healthy by definition and is spiritually nurtured. And anything that is split or separated from Christ is going to wither away and is going to die. In the book of John, Jesus gives another analogy uh, in referencing the same type of thought of a branch that's connected to the vine. From John 15 and verse 5, Jesus said this, I am the true vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If, you, if, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Just a few verses earlier, Jesus had said, I am the true vine. And he said true vine because in Psalms it references natural Israel as a vine. And so what he was saying was there's, you know, there's this other vine that you're connected to on a physical level. You were born and you're, you're physically you. you Rather, your descendants can be traced back to Abraham. But there's another vine because that, that vine withers away and dies. But there is another vine that is forever eternal and gives life. And so he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. So when a branch is naturally connected to the vine, the health of the vine is imparted into the branch. The branch's health is in direct proportion to its connectedness to the vine. Because it is dead without the vine. And let me tell you this, that without being intimately connected to Christ on a daily basis, that is the main cause of spiritual risk during these trying times. Because Jesus Christ is the health of the body. Amen. How much of each day do you spend in prayer and in his word? And are you daily connected to Christ in an intimate way? Or are you just kind of floating by and feel like you're barely surviving? Are you connected to Christ every second of every day? Because we may or may not, you know, be able to be connected to the church on a Wednesday night or even throughout the week, or I know many of you can't come on Sundays for various reasons, and that's understandable. But you have to stay connected to Jesus Christ during these times, even more so even during these times. We must become more focused on the things that connect us to the Lord on a daily basis because we need Him, we need more of Him now than we ever have before. Spiritually unhealthy people are at a greater risk during these times. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, that, that if you don't walk in the Spirit, then, then you're, then you're going to get COVID-19 because I'm pretty sure that the person that prays for three or four hours a day has, has got it the same as the person who may not pray at all. And so, you know, only God knows what will happen regarding our health. But the risk is not to our health. The risk is to our faith. I've always believed 
that the devil doesn't care what happens to our physical body. And a good example of this is in the book of Job. When you read the book of Job, uh, you know that the devil went after everything that Job had, everything that he could physically touch. He went after his health. He went after his children. He went after his earthly possessions. He went after everything that, that Job physically had, he went after. But the first piece of advice that Job was given after everything had fallen to the ground and after his cattle uh, had been taken away, after all 14 of his children had died, after every penny in his bank account was withered away, after his house literally crumbled around him, the first piece of advice that he got was from his wife. And you remember what she said. She said these words, just curse God and die. Because the enemy was never after what Job had. He didn't care about those things that were not eternal in Job's life. But he desperately cared about Job's faith. And that was the one thing that the enemy could not get to. But he tried really hard. And you know what? I will tell you this. The enemy really doesn't care so much about your physical health as he does how strong your faith is in God right now. And the only way you can strengthen your faith Rather, there are two ways according to the scripture. And the first thing is the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And part of hearing God's word is what you're doing right now. But there's another aspect of hearing God's word. And it's when you bear your face in that book and you search it diligently and you read it and you thirst after those words and you, and you hunger after it and you begin to, uh, you, you know, you, you begin to really grow your hunger for God's word. But the other aspect of that is found in the book of Jude, verse 20, where Jude said this, And you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so there is a dimension of prayer that we have to reach with God that will build our faith in God. And so whenever you feel yourself lacking faith, you get into the Word and you get deep in prayer. I was just thinking about this just today as I was praying this afternoon for this lesson. The Lord kind of planted this thought in my spirit, and I know it's true. And, and, and for those that probably pray a lot more than I do, you know more so that it's, that it's true. And, and, and here is the thought the Lord gave me, is that the Spirit of God, you know, is often like the waves of the ocean. And, you know, waves, you know, they come in one at a time. And every wave is different. Some waves are small. Some waves are big. Some waves are kind of medium-sized. Some waves go farther into the land uh, than others might be. And some are just kind of shallow. And that's kind of what it's like when you pray and you feel that first wave of God's Spirit. And sometimes people tend to stop there. But if you will tarry. And if you will linger, there will be another wave of His Spirit that will come, and it will be sweeter than the, than the previous wave. And the longer you tarry in God's presence, the more waves will begin to sweep over your spirit until He fills your cup full of faith. And He says, okay, now I'm done, and now you're released. And, and, and we pray until the Spirit of God releases us. So the risk is to our faith. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. First of all, Paul said that in the last days, there would come dangerous times. 
Now, why would they be dangerous? Here's why. Because people would be more connected to their fleshly, sinful nature than Christ's divine nature living inside of them. I believe that what Paul had in mind, the people had, he, he had in mind, was very much people that did not know the Lord. And, of course, we would expect that of them. But I believe also that he had in mind the church, that this would also, could also potentially be a state within the church, that there would be people who would be more in tune with their fleshly sinful nature than they are, or than they, than they are the nature of the Lord that was imparted into them at the moment they received the Spirit of God. Just as some diseases are inherited from our gene pool, so we inherited a sin nature from our father who was Adam. But we also inherited a new nature from the second man who is Christ. From Colossians 3 and 10, he says this, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So the new man bears the image or the divine nature of Christ. And we have to be daily connected to it. As the branch is connected to the, to the vine, as the body is connected to the head. And that body will die without the head. Because the head is the control tower for the rest of the body. You remember what Satan said in the book of Isaiah? Whenever he fell from heaven, he said, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And we know that that is Mount Zion. And so what, what David was talking about when he said, you know, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, the sides of the north, the city of the great king. He didn't have in mind so much uh, a physical city as he had in mind a church. And he may not have known that it would be a blood-bought, spirit-filled church, but he was very much talking about a spiritual Mount Zion. And that's exactly where Satan has always wanted to sit his head of. He wants to sit as head of the church. He wants to get inside your head. He wants to implant thoughts into your mind, thoughts of fear and anxious thoughts. And he wants to have the control of that. But if you will guard that, and your faith is the tool or means by which you guard against those things. Romans 8 and 14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So here he talks about being spirit-led. And now it is talking about, you know, I woke up this morning and God told me to drive two miles down the street and turn left and knock on this door and give somebody a word. That, that might be part of what he meant when he means spirit-led. It means being used by God in some way. But being spirit-led in this context has just as much to do as our walk with holiness than anything else. And it means walking in the Spirit, being connected to the head. Because he had just said in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So what he's talking about is, is turning your back on the old nature and walking in the power of the Spirit of God and the newness that that nature can bring about into your mind and in your heart. So it means walking in the Spirit and being connected to the head. Look at, from the book of Mark, chapter 14 and verse 54, the Bible says this, And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And Jesus sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Let me ask you this, when did Peter sin? You know what happens next, of course, he betrayed the Lord. This was the same Peter that said, no, 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 I'll betray thee, yet will not I. I'll never betray you, Lord. I'll, I'm ready to go to the cross with you. I'm ready to die with you. And they all said that. 
And at the end of the day, there was only one man who was at the foot of the cross, and it was John the Beloved. Everybody else was scattered. Peter denied him. I don't know the man. When, when did Peter sin? It was this. It was this at this time when he followed Jesus afar off. And Jesus had already told them this in Matthew 26 and 41. This was inside the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Spirit truly is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's easy when we're sitting around a fire, around, you know, one of our spiritual mentors and giants, and, and it seems like everything is going well. And in that moment where there's no temptations, in that moment where everything is going well, it's easy to say, although I'll betray thee, yet will not I. They were in that Garden of Gethsemane. It was the hour before his crucifixion. Jesus knew what was coming, but they had no idea what was coming. They all slumbered and slept, even after Jesus' warning. They weren't aware of the times that they were living in. was about to get extremely spiritual rocky. They weren't aware how deep the darkness would become. They weren't aware uh, how that spirit of fear would overcome all of them. And they were simply unprepared, even after Jesus warned them, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing. The spirit is always willing, but it's the flesh that's weak. And in times when things are going well and the economy is going well and there's no pandemic, it's easy to say, you know, everything is going well and I'm going to be fine because we're not being tested in that moment. But when the moment of test comes and darkness covers the earth and a pandemic comes and, and a bad economy rocks the whole world, at, at those times, when, when a spirit of fear overtakes our whole society, at, it's at those times that our faith is tested. They all slumbered and slept. Even after Jesus' warning, they weren't aware of the times they were living in was about to get spiritual rocking. And Peter's betrayal and failure can be traced to his absenteeism from a prayer meeting with Jesus Christ. When he was sleeping and when he was slumbering, but he was not aware and was not listening to what the Lord had told him to do. And because he did not pray, he followed Jesus afar off and more closely to those who cursed the Lord than the Lord himself. Let me tell you this, spiritual failures are always traced back to a lack of prayer in the word and being daily connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you let those things out, you let other things in. When there's not a prayer life and a strong life in the word that's guarding your mind and your heart. You are taking down the watchmen on the walls. And anything and everything can walk through those gates because they are wide open. Amen. From the book of Ephesians 4 and 27, Paul says this, Neither give place to the devil. None of us would answer the door if the devil came physically knocking at our door. Knock, knock, who's there? It's Lucifer. Oh, come on in. Sit down in this you know, sit down in this comfortable chair. We would not do that. So the devil is a lot smarter than that. He's a lot more subtle than that, isn't he? And so pertaining to our walk with God, there are things that you can let in that give him a foothold into your life. And the things you let out first allow those things to be let in, to be ushered into your life. Pertaining to our relationship with our old nature, we are called to walk in his death. 
And that is, as Paul said in Romans, by reckoning ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And so what this means is that we all have a sin nature. All of us, until you know we're out of this physical body and we're in that glorified body, <coughs> that sin nature is going to come knocking from time to time. But it means that you are to consider yourself not in a relationship with that old nature anymore. You're divorced from it. You died, you died out from it. And, and you died out to that because you were once married to that sin nature, but you died out to that sin nature, and now you're married to Christ. And so you have this relationship with him. And so when that nature comes knocking, it means that you don't answer the door because, because you're intimately connected to Jesus Christ. Amen. So pertaining to our relationship with our old nature, we are to walk in his death. But pertaining to the new nature, we are called to walk in his resurrection. Because let me tell you, my friend, at, at whenever he came up out of that grave, he defeated everything that you struggle with. Every single demonic, filthy, unclean spirit, every single thing that's ever been in your family, he defeated it all on the cross and when he came up out of that, out of that tomb. He defeated everything. And so if you have that nature of Christ, the apostle Paul said in Romans like this, he said it like this, you are not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Amen. You are more than conquerors. Psalms 103 verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. We need a revelation of our identity and our union with Jesus Christ. We need a revelation of that. The Bible says this in Romans 5 and 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign. In life, by one, Jesus Christ. I read this just about a week ago where it said, shall reign in life. And I, you know, I, I was a Bible quizzer over Romans. I've literally quoted Romans thousands of times in my life. I've read it over and over and over again. I've taught Bible studies. I've taught hundreds about maybe thousands of Bible studies where I've read this exact verse. And I've never seen this jump out at me like it did when I read this. But it means we will reign in this life. We are called to reign, not just in the next life. But in this life, Paul said, we are called to reign because we have the gift of righteousness. We will reign in this life. In other words, we're called to be the head and not the tail. We're called to walk in victory over everything, including our sinful nature. Because we have a much stronger nature that we are that has been imparted into us. And it is the nature of the Lord himself. From Romans 6 and 3, he said this, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into his death, were baptized, as, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let me tell you, my friend, let me encourage you today. God has called you and has given you all the capabilities you have to defeat everything that you struggle against in your life. Every spirit of fear that has ever been in your family, every addiction, everything that, that, is ever, that you've ever battled, he has given you every tool that you need to be victorious. Don't let that lion, backslidden devil tell you that there's no way you can defeat that, that you were bound in it, your family did this, and your grandfather was like this, and so you're just bound to be in this the rest of your life. Let me tell you, God can do anything, and he can break those shackles and set you free right now under the power of God. Amen. Even right now in your living room, I know a lot of people that got the Holy Ghost right there in the living room. 
Amen. God is able to set you free. So it's his death, his crucifixion that we are baptized into. We are called to not have a relationship with that nature any longer. We're called to walk in spiritual dominion. God has given us enough of his spirit and grace in this evil generation, in perilous times, if we will but seek him with all of our hearts. Because where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, I don't know what kind of times are ahead of us. I mean, if, if it's anything like 2020 has been, we're probably in for some rocky times. And I'm not prophesying anything. I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this. The world is not going to get better. We know that from the Bible. You can just know that by looking over the past 100 years of history and know that the world is not going to get no better. 30 years from now, I don't know what they're going to be doing. I couldn't imagine today what, you know, I couldn't imagine 30 years ago what they're doing today even. We, none of us could probably have imagined that, but yet here we are. But I know this, that no matter how difficult and how much in bondage this world gets, and no matter what the devil throws at us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Let me tell you, God's not going to leave his church alone during this hour. He's going he's gonna to help us. He's going to come along beside us. The Bible says in Psalms 46 and 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. He's not absent. He's not far away. He's not way out there somewhere. He's right there close as the mention of his name. You may not even be able to physically get out of your bed and drive the church, but my friend, if you have the strength to lift your hands and call on his name, then he will be there right there where you're at. And he has never forsaken you. Amen. Because the time has come that those things which can't be shaken are going to be shaken loose. And only after those things, only those things that are solidly grounded in Christ will survive. There is a shaking going on right now. And what's happening is, you know, I believe part of what's happening is there is a shaking of people's faith. And, and, and those that are not solidly and, and deeply grounded in Christ uh, might be swept away with the storms. We have an immovable kingdom and an undefeated king, and we have been made more than conquerors, my friend. That means that there's more than enough grace to survive any test and any storm. And I leave you with this. You have to stay connected to the head. Amen. God bless you.